Welcome to Made It's Keep. I'm Daniel. This is a special episode as I have a guest. I think my second guest ever, to be honest. I don't know if it's me that doesn't like to have guests or people don't want to come on this podcast. I, I haven't decided yet, but you can tell me after. I have Todd here from Express. Good evening. So Todd has read more modules and gaming systems than anyone else I know. <laughs> I don't even think that could be true, <laughs> given given the, our corner of the hobby, but I'll take it. All right. He's live streamed more readings of. There <laughs> <laughs> you go. On, on Wednesdays at noon, I have done more. Right. Yes. So so we decided today to talk. So just a little catch up and I'll let Todd know as well. So I promised myself. And, and I did this by like putting it out into the world. You know how you do that in January. Everybody else is going to the gym. I, I know I'm not going to do that. So uh, that I was going to get this, some of the stuff finished, like things that I worked on that I really like. And, but I want them to be uh, finished so people can play them and get them out there. So I want to, I'm rolling back and looking at Unchained Heroes, which is kind of my sword and sorcery version of Unchained, which is the game we're actually playing because Todd's in my campaign. And of course, Unchained is kind of like Chainmail and OD&D. This is more just derived from Chainmail. It doesn't really have any OD&D at all in it. Uh, and it's um, just as, as a brief, because I, I, I don't think you've ever played this. You kind of, it's a little more story gamey. Like there's no stats. You kind of just make a hero and the hero is what the hero is, right? And you can kind of, they're always equal to four figures and they, but if you say I have a powerful hero or I have a smart hero, you know, you kind of write a couple sentences about them. And that's and then obviously their their interaction with the world will change and add skills. So what I want to talk about is the skill system because one thing I was thinking was, and I know this is gonna sound weird for me who loves multiple mechanics, was I think that while during combat, which I think it's nearly impossible, although feel free to call in people and tell me it's not, to not like go out of character, if you will. Like I get how Dungeon World is supposed to do it, and maybe that's a whole other podcast. But I think that when you go into combat, it's a different game anyway, so I don't even care if that's completely separate and we pull out charts or we get minis or whatever you do. But I feel like 80% of the game or so, at least the way that I generally run games or play games, you're not fighting, right? You're interacting with the world, you're doing tasks, you're role-playing, and sometimes you need a mechanic to handle something. And at that point, I don't know that I want to stop the game to look at a chart, even though I favor charts for other things. So my current system, as I said to Todd, is pretty simple. It effectively uses the troop combat matrix, if you will, but I just changed things so you don't have light foot, armored foot. You have common tasks, challenging tasks, heroic tasks, legendary tasks, and then you're either trained, expert, or untrained in them. And then basically that determines how many dice you roll. And of course, based on figures. <laughs> so let heroes always four figures. So the way this works is that even your hero that's untrained has a chance of doing up to heroic tasks, even if they're untrained, right? You, hero doesn't know anything about something. There is a very small chance that they'll succeed in that task uh, because they're equal to four figures. Although you will see men scattered throughout here because I copied this stuff from Chainbill, but I'm changing all the men to figures. So, so for instance, an untrained task that's heroic, you get one die per four men with a six succeeding. So you got a 15% chance to do a heroic task because frankly, you're a hero. Obviously, if you're trained and you, there's other ways, you know, there's more to it than that. And this is as some similarities to Todd's system, which I read, Do Anything D6, which I understand there's a version two. So Todd's going to tell us about that. But my goal here in this conversation is to figure out if I can create a system or find a system that I won't have to check tables, but has a similar feel to this. I want it to matter that the hero equals four men. I want 
the the mo the what the characters do to matter, right? They use a log to help wedge something open, or they get help, or whatever. Like I want all that in a in a task resolution system, and I don't have ability scores in my game, right? I just have a narrative description of the player character. So I think first, maybe the first thing we could do is tell me a little bit about your. Now that I've talked for like twice, I usually do this by myself. That's why I don't get guests. Now I know. <laughs> Uh, tell me about your new version of, of do anything D6 or however you want to summarize that. Uh, sure. Yeah. So the, so the original version is very much like what you have, right. Where I was, I was working with one diaper figure and then trying to figure out, and, and I had these kind of, uh, somewhat sizable tables of figures and difficulty in the recent iteration. I've tried to simplify it with just, uh, get, getting back to basically everything is you're looking for sixes and then. If you have multiple figures, you get more dice. And, uh, but some, like in, in where you have your trained, untrained expert, I'm giving you a modifier. So if you are in, in what would be the equivalent of unchained, you have no modifier. You just, you got to roll six. If you were trained, you might get a plus one. If you're expert, you get a plus two. And so instead of having the getting extra dice, I'm trying to give you a little bit of a modifier. I think the, and I probably could rerun any dice and, and figure out, but I felt like I was getting similar probabilities, but I just thought it was just kind of easier to track because I wanted to kind of be able to just say, hey, I'm an expert. Okay, so now I only, now I need a plus two. All right, I get a plus two. So now I just need to roll fours instead of sixes, uh, that kind of wins. And then in terms of the difficulty side, you just need more success, more successes. So for a mundane task, busting down a door in a dungeon, let's say, you just might need to roll one success and that'll work. But if, let's say, this door was barred from one side or it had something else going on, or maybe there's a monster on the other side trying to hold the door shut against you, you might say, well, now you need two successes. And if you only have one die and you need two successes, well, then you're out of luck. But then maybe someone else could say, oh, I'll give you a hand, and then now you get two dice. Or you say, I've got a crowbar. You say, now you have, you know, now you get two dice. And so I wanted to keep it very simple where you could sort of use just anything in your environment and just say, okay, if it's something I'm bringing in my favor, I get dice on my side. If it's something coming in adversarial, it's going to require more successes. And then at the end, we're going to roll some dice. And if I, I can get as many successes as I need, then great, I've got it. If I don't, then I fail. Um, so that was kind of my way of simplifying. But I, I started the same place you did because especially having played in your game, first time really playing that system as opposed to just reading it, I really like the simple a lot of things that the troop system does. But I find sometimes doing that bits of how many men am I, how many dice per men, whatever. I was like, well, how can I, in my first system kind of went that way. I was thinking, well, how can I dial back on that and just say, let me just give you something easy. And so I, I decided to go with the modifier. Um, and then I felt like one thing I could do is I like your idea, the idea you have that's in the game is that idea of something that's maybe fantastic that's beyond the ken of normal men. So let's say there's something and I say this, whatever this monster or this obstacle, maybe it's a, a magic, a, a door has been magically locked. So maybe I say, okay, you're going to have a minus one modifier. Well, if you're just a untrained, you don't have any positive modifier. You can't, it's, it, it's physically on, like you can't, you can't do anything with it. But if you had say a magic door knocker or something that would give you a plus one, well then you've equalized it. And now you've got a chance. And then if you're something else and you get a plus one already, then you can do it. And so I felt like I could play with having the positive modifiers being what you would get as being better at something and also what magic could do. And then I could have negative modifiers on the other hand to make things functionally impossible for sort of unskilled or untrained or just mundane folks. So that's kind of the way I'm balancing that. But I, I'm, I'm almost done with my last draft and I'll shoot it over to you. But that's the gist of it. I want to keep it very simple. Is the, the whole 
bottom line. Right. So and you determine like if you're trained, untrained, and whatever the equivalent based on like like if you're a fighter, then you're trained in fightery things. Then you're trained, right? Yeah. You're, you're a yeah, ranger. And I even wonder, and, and I think it's pretty expert. flexible because I've been playing around with kind of the sort of what would the entire kind of RPG system work around it. And I was saying, why well, you could even go kind of classless and say, well, I'm going to be, you know, pretty good at swords, but also pretty good at thievery. Kind of like oh, I want to be sort of a right. whatever. And so you could have kind of plus one to both, or you could say, you know what, I'm a full fighter, which would give me plus two. Um, and the one thing I'm trying to figure out is how to do magic in that system. Like, how do I want mm-hmm. that to work? Like, if you have plus one in magic, does that, what does that look like versus someone who's a full mage, if you're going to go that way? But yeah, ideally, whatever your class thing would be, you would get like plus one or plus two. And if you're not, if your class is in it, then you're at plus zero, basically. Right. Is that, I'm trying to think now because actually Spencer just mentioned it in a call. And I think that Lasers and Feelings is a little like that, right? Like, when you make your character, just what you're like, would you ever play Lasers and Feelings? I've read it once or twice. I've never right. played so, it. So like you have, you're either good at lasers or feelings, right? You don't get both of them. So you get, I can't remember what it is. I don't know if you divide the D6 or, but there's like, you know, if you're good with lasers and you're not good with feelings. So you get, you know, a difference. You get a bonus for lasers and a subtraction for feelings. So it, it's kind of interesting that you could kind of make a whole system. I mean, not that I, I would call it a very simple system for a single you know, <laughs> play. But, yeah, no, uh, totally. It, and I, I know, just want it to be that. You know, the idea originally with this is, and it still is, is that you could plug this into whatever you're using, right? You're using mm-hmm. BX yeah. or something, but you want outside of combat, you're using all the BX stuff for combat, but maybe outside of combat, you want to, oftentimes people are looking for what to do with the D6 or do I do X and 6 or do whatever. And I was like, here's a little right. system you can just slot in there because essentially it starts off as being basically one chance in six. You got to roll sixes. Right. And then if a player can bring tools to the table, what well, I'm climbing, but I've got climbing claws and whatever else great roll two dice it's almost like take advantage right you only need one right. and do that and then it was just out of trying to bring that system online and say hey just plug and play it kind of wherever you need it um so yeah so i yeah that the the layers of the feelings i've read it and it's great because it, it's definitely one of those things that really just keeps it keeps it simple i gotta do better at simplifying because i end up writing a lot about it <laughs> like i don't need, doesn't need to be that long but i end up trying to put in like examples and edge yeah. cases and stuff like that and part of me is like you know what i don't you know do i need all that stuff or can i just really get it down to it probably could be like a page or two right it's the over explaining i think that's just a, yeah. a, a a factor of being in the modern world of rpgs like when you look at od and d you know they don't explain a lot and people played the game played it very successfully maybe not always exactly the same right but it's like sometimes you just got to leave it out there and be like this is what it says so it's interesting because i think this is the thing, right? We're talking about plug and play. Like when we create a system, like a lot of us in the, the we'll say who play older games, uh, don't, you know, there is a certain, I can make a generalization and say a lot of people don't like heavy skill systems in that style of play. Your, your people who play your older games, your BXs and stuff, you don't want a big skill system. But at the same time, you do sometimes want something in place so that you could say, well, this is how we do stuff. You know, and every table can do it their own way, I suppose. But if you're making a system which is what I'm doing, I have to say something. I can't just be like, figure it out. Like my entire system would really just be like, sit down with your friends and have fun. There you go. Give me $5.99 for that PDF. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think the other thing to keep in mind is, is that there are skills, like, like we always think of skill systems in a certain way. Like mostly mm-hmm. we think of like the thief skills, but there are skills in ODD. I mean, you're to hit bonus. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a skill. Like you're, sure. you know, your saving throws in essence are skills. They just don't, call them skills but they function exactly the same way you get better as them as you as you level up and they allow you to do things or avoid doing things and i think that's one of the fun things as we're playing and i see a lot of folks who always are riffing on the older games they'll try to figure out well we have this thing saving throws 
how can I leverage the saving throw system to do this other thing? You know, like I always like the cleric turning tables are similar. It's mm -hmm. kind of, it goes up a level. That one's great because you've got, you've got a level progression and you have a difficulty progression and it, it's all there. They just don't call it a, a skill, right? And it's right. a shame, I, again, in some ways that they didn't pick one of the things they kind of already had and just say, hey, we're just going to do this because it probably would have made things a lot easier when they start plugging in other classes because that's the whole thing with the thieves right thief skills right. didn't really have anything and then suddenly you've given them something and now to one class so yeah the question of what did, what did everyone else do what do we do now whereas if there had been something pre-existing for that then you could have slotted thieves and just made them kind of better at it which probably would have probably wouldn't have ended all the kind of frustration i know you don't use the thief in your game mm -hmm. but might have made it a little bit easier when it felt like you're putting it in the context of something pre-existing as opposed to like now we're bolting this whole thing onto the game. Yeah, no, that's actually really fascinating because I wonder. Like I often say, because people will say, "Oh, your your podcast is about you know using chainmail," but my my podcast is really about looking back at OD and D and seeing the direction they went left. I'm going right. Like I just want to see, or maybe they went right. I went left. Whatever. I, I want to see what will be different if they, uh, their decisions were made. And now that you're saying that, I'm thinking if Greyhawk had the thief, but also introduced a thief skill system where everybody was on that like here are the skills that a thief uses and a thief is just better at them because i've heard people say we'll give everybody thief skills whatever that's not a, that's not a bad way to do it either and you can even sit put zero percent on some of them be like pickpocket zero percent hide and shadows zero percent for regular people right or not say we're going to use percent let's say you're using uh you know put 13 uh, zero turn six, undead, one right? Six, right. whatever yeah yeah whatever but basically you can have this chart of skills and then just say you know have normal people on it and whatever skill they might have as a basic person, they would have. And then you have the thieves progressing above that, right? Almost like your your attack system, like you said, like how in BX it says normal men or whatever, right? It's like one below player, player, player characters. You could have had that on the thief skills, you know, just and then had all that would be everybody except for thieves, right? It would be normal men. And that's just super interesting. I, I That's a kind of fascinating thought. Yeah, or you could even have that kind of staggered like they do, right? Fighters one yeah. to three, clerics one to whatever. And like everybody yeah. maybe could get a little bit of them. Maybe not clerics because it's, you know, you don't think of the priest as trying to backstab people, but, right. you know, or the paladins, I should more, more likely say. But, well, you know, yeah, they could have done something like that, which probably would have been ultimately more helpful and would have given people this model of here's how we're doing skills. It would have been very simple, but it would have worked. But, you know, they went another way. And it's just part of the fact that, you know, to, to their in their defense, they were the first ones to be messing around yeah. with this stuff. So they weren't thinking about it. And they probably definitely weren't thinking that whatever we're doing now, people are still going to be talking about 50 right. years later, well, going back and forth. So, right. and, they, you know, and they got they a pile of new dice, right? They were like, oh, yeah. you know, what are these 10-siders? Let's do it. You know, I mean, I'm sure that that's, you know, part of it. It's like they want to use the different mechanics. I like to do that. When I'm sitting there figuring stuff out, I'm like, oh, how can we use every die in the box? You know, so I, I definitely understand. I'm in no way am I throwing shade at the Thief. The Thief is my favorite class to play in OSR games. I just don't have a Thief in my game because I'm trying to see what happens if we don't use a Thief. Oh yeah, so, no, and I, yeah. I and I think there are very valid points, and I think mm -hmm. it, and and I think it really takes. Maybe with all these different skill systems, part of it is thinking about what do you and I and I I know in one of my streams I talked about it is that decision of what is going to be a skill at all versus what's not going to be a skill. Like, what right. are you mechanizing and what are you not? Because that says a lot about what you want to do, where you want to spend your time, where you know, and it, it's a hard decision if you if you don't put it in a system then you are and i think this was when i think we talked about this not on on a on a, a stream or anything but uh 
playing Boot Hill, right? And the fact that Boot Hill basically has zero mechanics outside of gunfighting, essentially. So it forces you to really go into the weeds if you want to do something outside of gunfighting. It's wide open. There's no rule saying you can't do anything, but nothing tells you how to do it. So you really have to get into and do it. We don't always want to do that with everything, right? There's a lot of things that we get to a certain point that we're like, uh, you know, someone mentioned, I think I read on a blog, someone was talking about why don't we have a skill or why don't we get into the weeds on optimizing how you packed your backpack? And the answer is because who wants to do that? Right. Yes, I could sit there and, and, and play that kind of game. We're going to talk about, I'm going to put this in first and this in second, but no one wants to do that. We just want to know how much can our pack hold and we'll just let, we'll let that be. But so we decide to abstract that we don't, we decide to go in the weeds on other things. And, you know, it's kind of, there's that decision you make of wh what do you want to spend your time doing and what do you want to just have come down to a roll of the dice? Well, you know, it's funny because there is actually, there is a system for that, right? And people do, I don't know if you've seen this, where people will use the first time I ever saw it was on a blog that's now defunct. I can't remember what the name of it was, but it was basically like a sheet that you print. And it was like, it was called like crafting D&D &D or whatever. And basically uh, the sheet would have all these slots on it and you put your gear in the different slots, right? And depending on where it sits, you roll a die and you have to roll that slot number or under or over maybe it is in order to pull that piece of gear in one round. So the idea oh, is you put oh, okay. the stuff you need, you put your potion right in slot number one, if you need it right away, but at the very bottom, maybe you put the gold pieces and you can kind of adjust your pack. And if you need something faster, I think the rule was you could take a whole turn to look for something, or if you want to try, you could reach in your bag and try to grab it quickly. I can't remember what they did, but they had talked about the idea of it having this idea of the, the this is a, a blogger. If somebody knows the blog I'm talking about, uh, go ahead and let me know. But I guess they were playing in person with people who had not played RPGs at all. Like I'm not talking about people who came back and for fifth edition or whatever, like these like new people. And it, they said it really made them feel like it was more gamist and they loved it. Like they, they would have put little that, like blue tack on the back of the little little objects that look like the, the stuff, like a sword or whatever. And they would pass stuff back and forth and be like, here, you hold the potions because you have a slot you can put it in. You hold the gold. And they'd move stuff around. So there are groups that just love that, right? It's just nice. funny how you dig into. And that's the question, right? It's all about what you want to dig into. Like I said earlier when I started the podcast that I don't mind stopping and looking at charts and figuring stuff off combat. Some people hate that. They don't want, no, no, no. I don't want to deal well, with that. Well, I think the charts can move really fast, right? If you're yeah. used to the charts, you can... You know, and and this is always why I joke, you know, people make fun of Thacko and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But when you got proficient at Thacko, you could it was not slow. Like, yes, right. I think addition is faster than subtraction. So on the whole, I think it's a net positive to go to a thing than going mm -hmm. negative, even though I always have a soft spot in my heart when someone I would see something that says armor class minus something that always hits mm -hmm. me in a different way than someone saying I have if someone says arm, I have armor class 25. Like, I, like I, I don't know. Okay, I guess that's okay. Someone comes to me and says, I got armor class minus two. I go, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. now we're, we're, we're cooking with gas, armor class minus two. But, you know, you get in those things, and those charts can move really quickly. And, and like in your game, where we're resolving a bunch of things going on where you as the GM can kind of just be looking at that chart, essentially. And it's very easy to track down and go, boom, boom, boom. And you're not necessarily worried about everybody's, you know, various things it's like okay you're you know especially like you like to say hey we're all fighting as you know heavy foot and then all you have to do is look at that numbers rolling dice and like you got it and you're you're going um but so you know everything it's all about how you how you do it and i used to love the marvel csr marvel game back then and that had that massive chart on the back of mm -hmm. the i don't know if you're familiar with the yeah with the shift the, the the, all the yeah, yeah all that yeah. stuff and it was like phew, but it was awesome it was awesome yeah. you know so i'm i'm certainly not 
uh, anti anti chart. As long as you have to, but you have to make it something that's kind of easy to find, easy to reference, right? You want to, mm-hmm. if you're the GM, you want it on your 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 uh, your GM screen or whatever it is, because you want to. If you got to look it up and then remember how it works and then decipher it, that's where you lose a lot of a lot of time. Whereas if you've yeah. kind of got it on front of mind, you can just burn through it. Right. No, I, I agree with that, especially, again, for combats. But but I think for skills in this game anyways, <laughs> this is what I'm thinking. I may never change it. Maybe you're convincing <laughs> me not to. That I just, I think I want most of the game to run without that. Because this is a very narrative game. Like, for instance, you don't gain, like, like the way you get effectively experience points is by gaining stuff in the world. Like, all that's very abstracted. It's all very, so I think keeping the game mostly abstract is good. Uh, so as much as, as much as this is simple, right? I mean, it's, it's a, what do you call it? Digest size. It's two pages, including the, uh, including the chart. So it's not like it's a lot, but I think that doing something this is why I, I had to kind of discuss it. So the other thing I want to talk about, cause we used it once or twice, maybe in, in the, Oh, the, the Arnesonian dice Arnesonian or dice, the, yeah. uh, the Arnesonian okay. dice. So this is interesting. I had this thought that maybe the Arnesonian dice on some level is the way to go here. Now, I personally, I'll give my thoughts on this first, uh, didn't love the whole, if it's doubles, you have to take it. That didn't, I didn't love that. Uh, I felt like in my experience with us using it, but then also in my experience of running a solo game using it and at a con using it, every time I used it, there was doubles. <laughs> Once I knew that rule. So it's like, I like they come up way too much. I think maybe I'm giving too many dice. I don't know. But I feel like more dice is more fun to me, so... But, uh, yeah, but I don't know. I, I feel sure. like I feel like having to take the doubles isn't great. I now, what was the if, advantage? You'd get like a mixed, right? So if you lost with doubles, it was kind of a mixed failure. You got a little bit of something. Remind me what the doubles effect was. In my opinion, the way it's written is unclear. Uh, you know, and again, no, no slight towards Holmes and Clark, which is a very cool system. I think it, it basically says you have to take it. And then later when it's talking about doubles, it says when something good happens or there's an advantage. So I guess that means if you fail with the doubles, then you fail, but, or whatever they call that, right? And if you succeed with it, then you succeed. And. It's like a crit. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah, I can so, see getting rid of it, especially if you're going to end yeah. up rolling more dice. And I know like in my system yeah. and, it, and, and, and in yours, like using your trained expert, untrained type thing, if you're using that dice per figure with a couple of levels, mm-hmm. you're going to start rolling handfuls of dice. And then your odds right. are getting a set a, a double set at least i mean you can even get more than that is gonna I don't, again i don't know the any dice odds but it's probably not gonna be an uncommon occurrence and maybe more than you would want from essentially a, that yes and or no but type thing right. so uh, yeah i might might just so, get rid of, i mean i just thought the idea of just rolling dice and either either just counting your successes or adding it up and seeing the differences you know I, though the summing is slower than look counting uh, mm-hmm. numbers it which is just fine and then just take what you get so this is what i so i have a couple of ideas i'm gonna i'm gonna pitch them and you can kind of give me your, your feedback. all right so number one so number one is just uh forgetting about using your system or mine that we already have looking at artisonian i, I don't love it the way it is so if i was going to use it as close as possible i would say exactly as it is but you don't have to take the doubles so you could choose to lose because of the doubles if you feel like that benefits you in some way, I don't know why you would do that, but more likely it would be, you would take the doubles as a winner. Right. So I like the idea that doubles are something special, but I don't love that you have to take doubles. Uh, okay. Yeah. I could see, I could see a situation where maybe you get into something where the situation presents itself. And, and this comes up in a game where you're saying essentially something, like, Hey, you don't have to succeed. Just don't kind of don't crit fail. <laughs> right. Don't, you can't absolutely fail. 
And so in that case, taking the loss with doubles, when you look at it, it's like either I'm just going to lose mm-hmm. or take the doubles and lose. Maybe it's like, I'll take the doubles and lose because I just need that no but because the but part is going to get me. Like we're, you know, we're three quarters up the rope. The orcs are at the bottom. If I slide down, they're going to get me. But if I get the no but, which means that they'll make up some ground, but I'm still going to get to the top before them and then I can, you know, start cutting the rope kind of thing, then I'm okay. Is probably where yeah. I would see that coming in. Right. Whereas, yeah, if you could succeed without doubles or get the no but, you'd always want to succeed without doubles. I would think unless so. you got some kind of currency or something with it. Like if you took the no but, you'd right. get like a, you know, something, whatever to use later. Yeah. What I'm thinking is, as you're saying that, of course, is I'm thinking like it would be something maybe. And again, this is because this game is a little more narrative. It would be something like you fail, but you get to narrate how. And there can be something advantageous to you, but you have to ultimately have failed. So in your case, the climbing up the rope. So you say, can I get to the rope, the top of the rope before the orc get there? And you fail. No, right? But I'll be able to cut the rope so only three orcs get on top as opposed to 10, right? That might be a no but. Although, why would you just want to succeed? I don't know. Maybe because that would be a different task, right? Because you could say, I'm trying to get to the top of the rope. You succeed. Now you're just at the top and the rope's not cut, right? So this way you get to cut the rope but you take a couple of orcs. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure how it would be used. I'm just, again, I'm spitballing here. Yeah, I, just, yeah. I, just I, love I, the I do like the idea of kind of having meta currencies or something that yeah. maybe you get something back or like, hey, get an inspiration because you took the the harder road, right? You, you, right. you, you leaned into that obstacle. So here, take this thing that you're going to be able to use later that maybe can push some other, when you really need it, you could turn it in and turn a no but into a yes or something or a yes into a yes and. Right, so like, you're like, I'm willing to take this hardship now to get like a get out of jail free card down the road. Right. And on that note, I had another thought thinking more Conan. What, you know, what about like, in, all right, I want to, you know, outrun these two guards. OK, no, you don't outrun them. They're going to capture you, but you're able to snag the key off their belt so you could escape later. You know, that could actually work to your favor. Right. So you can roll it forward in a positive way. But what you were trying to do in that moment fails. So, again, that one's way more open because I don't know. Again, being a control freak, I don't know that I love it just being super open, but that was my first thought. So using the Anarchodian dice, but not making you have to take the doubles. So two solutions, either would be you just take them if they're positive, you succeed and you get doubles, you get something extra, or you could fail and have doubles and somehow work that in narratively. So that's idea one. Idea two was to roll all the dice Anarchodian, like basically add them up. You know, so basically instead of taking the two best dice, just add them up and best side wins. You know, that's simple. And that's actually the first time I did it because I didn't understand how to do it. That's how I did it at the con. I thought that's what you're supposed to do. And that worked out fine. Everybody rolled up the dice. They counted them. Did you do anything with the margins? I did not, which I'll get into with my third idea. But I did not. It was just pass or fail, you know. So this yeah, just I like be... that idea a lot. I mean, other than, I mean, you know, really it just comes down to how often you're doing it. If it's something, I presume it doesn't come up a whole lot. So the extra time counting the adding up and doing the sums as opposed to just counting sixes or something doesn't really matter. Right. If you're only doing it a few times in a couple of hours, like who cares? Uh, and, and I like it cause you do get that kind of, uh, interesting sort of margin mm-hmm. and it's going to be, uh, very contingent on, on a lot of things. So even if you, you know, if you have a, say a dragon, that's 10 hit dice and you've got four hit dice, you maybe you'll win, but odds are with that 10 hit dice, the margin's not going to be very much. Right. Versus if you're the 10 hit die dragon and you, you have a victory of the four hit die. There's a pretty good chance the margin might be quite extreme. Now, what it means, 
I'm not, I don't know, but I, I like having that extra things to play with. I mean, you could do it with counting successes or something other system like that, but right. I like having those margins and looking at like, well, how, how poorly or how close was I, or how close are they you know, to each other kind of thing. And that's right. what tunnels and trolls does right for combat, right? There essentially sure. is you're summing it and damages the difference. The difference. Yeah. Which is cool. Right. So that might be why I had that in my head. So the, the third idea I have, which is actually two ideas. <laughs> so we'll see, uh, is to, Roll the dice on both sides. And then this is inspired by Dogs in the Vineyard. I don't know if you ever played Dogs in the Vineyard. You can't get it anymore. I read it ages ago, but I never played yeah. it. Yeah, unfortunately, the I've only played it, and I, I got a copy. Uh, bootleg, sorry, but it's not available anymore. But I was like, I need to see these rules because somebody ran it for me. And, uh, you know, I'll never distribute it or whatever because the the creator I found out later doesn't want it out there. It's not like it went off the market. They just don't want it out there. But anyways, what, something that's in Dogs in the Vineyard that's interesting is and this is not exactly how it works. I'm being very vague here. But both sides roll a bunch of dice. And it's a contest. So what you do is you bid off each other. So you go and you go. Uh, so I so let's say I roll and I get like a four sixes and whatever. I get a bunch of dice. I bid two dice against you. And you and I make my move. And I say, I'm climbing up the rope. And I slide my two dice. And then you say, well, you'd be the DM, right? You'd be like, all right, well, the orcs make progress, right? And they slide their dice up, right? Because as long as they match you, then, I mean, Doug's Living is more complicated than this, but I'm making it very simple. Um, then they keep go keeps going. So it goes back to me. All right, well, I'm climbing up faster. <laughs> you know, and they, you know, and eventually in the end, somebody doesn't have dice left and that person loses. And depending on how many dice are re are remaining on the winner's side, that you take damage. So Doug's Living works a little bit different. But so what you could do is you could basically play it out like a mini game, right? Like you're, you're bidding your dice. This creates a mini game in the middle of the game, which could be fun for people that like mini games or not fun for people who don't. <laughs> Some people might just be like, oh, oh, these take out these, these take out these, and it's gone, right? But you could play it out narratively, like I just said, which is how Dogs of the Vineyards work. So instead of a task being over and done in a single role, there's only one role, but there's role play in between. And you can actually manipulate the scene slightly, even if ultimately you're going to lose. Like you can look at your dice and go, I'm not going to win this, but you can start, you can set the scene by, you know, making your part of the narrative like make sense for you. Right. Does that yeah, make sense? That wagering, that kind of wagering dice is mm -hmm. really interesting. Are you rolling the dice and then certain dice are successes and not, and then no. wagering, or is it just, you're just taking dice. You just have dice and they're just kind of counters essentially. They're just, you, 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 their, their value matters because like a six would be needed to go to six. And sometimes like, for instance, if I bid 12 against you, and you had two fives and a four, you'd have to use that because that's the only way you're going to beat twelve, right? Then you've used three. Oh, I see. So you have to beat the you have to beat the you have to equal beat the number. two or beat the number. Yeah. So the numbers uh, matter. Okay. And this would be a D six system, so maybe it's not quite as interesting because in Dogs in the Vineyard, you're rolling different dice. So if you're really good at something, you might roll a D ten. If you might roll a D four, if you're not that good at it, so you have this pile of different dice. But in my case, it would just be a D six dice pool. So yeah, the, the numbers matter again. So this is very important because you're. a you're trying to beat them with this equal to or less dice. Because in the end, you, like if you both start off with an equal amount of dice, if you can outmaneuver the person so they have to spend three dice one time, then you're going to win because they'll run out of dice first, right? That's kind of how it works out. Yeah, there's. I, I feel like there's some interesting things with that because I'm already yeah. thinking about, I kind of like it. I don't know. If I, I, I was thinking because I had so, you know, in contests for me, I just having just sixes, it's, you're just measuring successes versus the other person's mm -hmm. successes. But I could see a situation with this kind of bargaining in which, let's say we have equal numbers of dice. Right. And uh, you've rolled a bunch of sixes and 
I've rolled a bunch of failures. Maybe I have one six. So you're you're putting you're pushing dice out. Maybe I have to, if I want to try to stay with you or not even blocking your action, but just kind of be in position, I have to match dice. Otherwise I fall behind sort of thing. Right. right. So maybe you put out one of your successes and one one of your failures, meaning that you're not making great progress on it. But if I don't put out any successes, then neither one. Or you put out two failures. And I could try to catch up to you on that by putting a success, or I could match your two failures, meaning we kind of stay sideways. But then I know you may have a bunch of successes left over, right? Right. So you could have a little chess match, which would be really interesting when there's something kind of important on the line, right? I wouldn't want right. to do that with everything, like the barkeep, the bar, or like the, the, the you know the the story, you know, whatever the the guy in the adventure shop says ten gold, and you're like, all right, now we're getting this whole thing to, for buying a staff. It's like, no, I don't want to well, do that. What's but, funny is in Dogs in the Vineyard, you would do that. Like it's for everything. <laughs> and, and, for everything but, yeah. but that's the game, right? Because again, because it's not just, oh, well, here's my two dice, here's yours. You, every time you make a move, you narrate. As long as you win the move, then you get to narrate. So I win the move by saying, well, the barkeep, uh, you know, I tell the barkeep, you know, <laughs> you know, if you, you know, I can, I'm a great hero and me being in your bar is a good thing. I slide it across and he, then he'll, he matches me and goes, lots of great heroes come in here. And then you push more dice over. You're like, yes, but anyone who's slayed a dragon, you know, yes. <laughs> and then, and then in the end, it's like you can either win them over or not, right? And, the, and that's that's the fun of the game. Like it, it and and keeping in context too that this system would be used primarily in a game where you're playing one on one. You know, that's another thing that's important because I feel like that wouldn't be as fun in a large group game necessarily. Well, I mean, like they just pile person... drive everybody, right? It'd just be like right. gang up, like we've got like we've got a party of five, so we have you know like we have. 20 dice and there's this poor barkeep yeah. with three dice like what's he gonna do right exactly and that well that's what you would have to do right well you, you would have to you know obviously this is where the finesse of the examples come in and say well if you're doing something like a bargaining only one person can really do it because that's the way it works although yeah, in dogs of right. a dude you can have people add come into the fight and you could also do things like for instance you're negotiating with the barkeep if you're starting to lose you can draw your gun now you've escalated so now you add more dice in because you drew a gun and then they also add dice and it like adds there. It's very cool. It's, I, I wish the system was available because like I said, I would love to play it, but I really, I want to respect the creator, but it's too oh, bad. No, it's it's that, a great mechanic. It, 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 I had so much fun playing. I'd never played it before. It was amazing. The guy who ran it kind of didn't do it exactly right because when I got the rules, I looked at it. I was like, oh, okay, that's not right. But because every time, <laughs> every time we escalated, we all rolled all our dice again. So we had these like massive piles of dice. It's not really supposed to work like that. <laughs> Um, and like people, we also gamed it because like somebody came in later and they threw all their dice and that's not exactly how it's supposed to work either. But anyways, uh, right. You'd have to, there are definitely cases where, like I would say, like when you come into a situation, this is the way I would handle it anyways, you make the call like, like, okay, you can't say the bard's going to negotiate. Then when they're losing, have somebody come up because if you do, then the other guy's going to get more dice again. Cause why wouldn't he? He's defending against somebody new. It's not like. You can wait till he has two dice left and step in there and be like, aha. So you wouldn't be able to do that necessarily. So I'd have to work it out tighter, but, and this is not exactly Dogs of the Vineyard. Somebody who's played Dogs of the Vineyard, let me know. Um, but it's similar. And I, and I like this bidding idea. I like the, you know, I love mini games, mini games. And I just like the idea of we can play it up, but also narratively. Because again, it's similar to the first, the, what I just said, because if you do dice pools like a, like uh, Tunnels and Trolls, that's cool, right? One side wins, it's one roll, and you could still narrate that. Oh, I beat you by seven, so you take seven hit points of damage or, you know, whatever. But this way, you're narratively building 
the success as you go. So even if you're going to lose, like you can literally look at it and go, I know I'm going to lose, but I'm going to try to position myself so that I can at least get yeah, something out you of this. could. I mean, yeah, you totally have to look at how many dice you have and you can say, I'm right. going to push really hard to win this segment, even if overall I'm going to lose. Right. I'm going to go really hard on this bit and win this thing, even knowing I'm going to lose the next bit, which could be, you know, great in any anything i could see it being used in a yeah. lot of cases yeah i'll definitely have to look i think i still have the pdf of dogs in the theater again also kind of a bootleg version floating around i'll have to look up that mechanic but yeah i i really like that idea i i i do wonder how it would be like you said if it's something that in a larger group it would just become either you'd have to start adding like you know all the ads and people jumping into things or we get too unwieldy right um and it would just be or something that you kind of call out like something sort of special Right, almost like in in sort of the ODD kind of chainmail thing, right? When we go to the fantastic combat or something, where right. someone says like, "I'm gonna, I'm not just gonna make this kind of an informal thing." Like, I am, you know, I'm slapping, I'm taking my glove off, and I'm going pop pop, and now we're gonna right. go, and, and that's like for this, like, okay, now it's serious, right? Right. It could, it could, I could, I could see it easily fitting into that space of something either very formal and official, or something where you've decided we want to make this a really formal thing with kind of high stakes and then right. bring it well, out. And also it should be uh, put forth that like the amount of dice you have, right. is going to be very limited because it, you know, in dogs, you have all different things. You have like relationships to people and you have like your faith. You have all, So in the end you have like five, six dice, whenever you're throwing something usually, but like in this, it probably won't be that case, right? Because if we think about how we've used Artistonian dice, I think in every time I've used it, I can't I can't remember having more than like three or four dice on each side. So it's not like it would take a long time. It would be pretty quick, right? And in fact, if you have more dice, you're you're almost certainly going to win, unless unless you roll really terribly, because it could happen, right? So uh, you know, you if you in, in As the, the case dead of my dragons game, on the field of battle from a couple of weeks ago can attest, exactly, it, it can still end badly. <laughs> Right, but like, so for instance, in this game, your hero is always going to have four dice. So what I would do here is, going back to the Arnesonian thing, is I would start with the hero always gets four dice, and everybody else always starts with two. You know, unless they're like, you know, obviously there could be a special case. But then you add dice based on whatever, right? So it's the shopkeep. He knows about negotiating. He gets, he's going to get one more die. But the hero has that, like, fate on his side, right? So they're always going to start with that four. And if they don't have anything else to add, then they can't, right? So they might get taken advantage of in the end anyways. But because more dice doesn't always mean more successes, right? I mean, you could theoretically roll, you know, a bunch of twos and threes and then have the shopkeep that only has two dice roll six, you know, sixes, you know, and then it's like, well, you, you might not be able to match him. If he puts 12 up, you might not add up to 12 with your four dice. Totally. And then you're over, yeah. So, yeah. No, that, that's, I, I like it. I, that, I think that, I mean, I think, you know, I think ultimately I think you look at it and, and there's so many different combinations of this kind of mechanic that could mm -hmm. work. It's, right. And then it almost gets into, well, what kind of style of thing do you want? Yeah. Right. Like, and, and that's true, you know, in, in your OD and D game, right. Do you want to go kind of super quick with the kind of troop combat or do you want to go with man to man or do you want to go right. with the fantastic ones? Like which one fits kind of the feel and what you're trying to get to in the moment. Um, and, and, you know, and as much as I like, I do appreciate a good simple mechanic. I do appreciate also that kind of having the multitude Mm -hmm. of mechanics because you can just pick the one that you feel like suits better i always appreciate that and bx when they talk about use this system or use this one or use this other one you know if whatever gets you closest to the feel you're looking for if you can't you know that there's only a four percent chance of success and it doesn't quite work in a d20 and it doesn't quite work in a d6 
just do percentage and roll D100 and then, you know, whatever. And it's like, yeah, that's great. Uh, I, I do think kind of just from a modern probably gamer perspective that I think people tend to find that kind of frustrating or mm-hmm. frustrating kind of or unhelpful or it's it's you can't really fit that in. Right. If you're trying to kind of optimize yourself, that kind of gets all thrown out the window. If the GM just says you got a four percent chance, right. it's like, but I got the skill or whatever. And I would say, yeah, four percent. Then like all that stuff is, is gone. It's just now right. it's that role. And I think for some people, that's going to kind of rub them the wrong way. But from a flexible kind of GM thing, just being able to say, hey, you know what? I don't know about all these things or what DC, whatever. I know that it's about a whatever percent chance. And I know I can model that depending on wh- what number I land on at, you know, a D100 or D10, D20, whatever, D6, D4, whatever. Like it's great. And then the system gives you the flexibility where they, they give you that permission to say, yes, do that. Right. No, I agree. I, as you're saying that, I'm thinking to myself, if I went with this last thing we were talking about, which is, I think is is my, I'm going to have you vote, but I think that's where I'm leaning now that we're talking about it. You could also still have a very simple three line or two paragraph se- section that says for simple things that, you, you know, don't really matter or don't, aren't necessarily going to be game changing. You could just have a very simple mechanic, like roll high on a D6, right? I mean, it's simple enough just to have that basic mechanic for like, okay, I go into the shop. Do I get a good deal? You know, does it really matter? Like just roll high on like, you know, how much are you going to deal dig into this? Cause of course this game uses abstract stuff. Like you don't worry about money or anything in this. So, I mean, you worry about it, but not in a very specific sense. So you wouldn't have that. Yeah. Any interaction that you have is pretty serious, but sometimes, you know, it's like, Oh, you know, is there a, a horse available to rent? You know, it's like, well, I mean, you could just roll, you know, uh, uh, some kind of four dice. That. Right, 15. exactly. There right. is not. There's not. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to rent your horse. No, <laughs> you know, you know, yeah. So everything doesn't have to be, uh, be that. But, but I think that that's that can be fun. And 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 again, like I say, you 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 look at a mechanic because we talked about that. Like we we're joking yesterday on your stream when you were talking about that. Tanner's like. <laughs> It's funny because I just turned it on when you said that because I had been watching that one away that came back. He goes, you know, it's like a single mechanic. Uh, you know, Dogs in the Vineyard is a single mechanic. And I would play the heck out of that because I just think it's a really well-crafted one. What I don't like is yeah. when it just seems like, well, I don't want to deal with mechanics, so this is what we're doing because everything's oh, the yeah, same. Oh, totally. And I was just I thinking like. about that. You've probably seen it. I'm sure you've seen The Naked Gun. I hope you've seen The Naked Gun. Oh, yeah. That gag where Drebin's, uh the great Frank Drebin is uh, – is, uh, He's bribing that guy, and then they end up flipping it over. So then the guy's bribing him back. You know? Right. It's like, <laughs> exactly. Tell me why he's getting twenty. And then the guy's just asking him questions, and Drevin's taking the twenty back. You know, I can see that. Uh, that uh, that's how that, that little dice mechanic makes me think of. But no, I, I think it's a great. I mean, that would be the one I feel like is the most interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, like I said, I think for me it comes down to the situationally, right? If the game is all about that, and I think Dogs and Vineyard, right? It's really all about if I'm remembering the plot of like these really serious things where you're going into these towns. Yeah. And you're trying to figure out kind of you're kind of the voice of law, essentially trying to figure out like what, what's lawful or not. You're not really mucking about in little things like everything you're doing in that game is like pretty much the heart of the game. Right? It's not floating around. I feel at least my again, having never played it, but having read it ages ago, my my idea of my brain is everything you're doing is pretty focused on these kind of high tension sorts of uh, situations as opposed to in, a, say, an OSR kind of game where you can spend a whole episode you're just kind of floating around and like i don't know right. if i'm doing the floating around stuff if everything was like this kind of high it's it's great when you feel like you're putting all your chips in the table into a meaningful poker hand but if you're doing that all the time and it's like you know like you're saying i just want to i just want to rent rent a room and it's like right. oh, how many dice? like i'm like can i you know that's like i think i'd probably get frustrated like look i just want to rent a room i'm not right. trying to, to do anything like i don't uh, charge me double just can i have the room 
please right. kind of thing. Um, you know, where it's so, yeah, yeah I, I think that like, that's probably the context would come down to for the really important stuff, like combat or something that feels like life or death or really high stakes, like a combat, something like that. Cause I could see it with maneuvers, right? I'm going to spend two dice to attack. And then if I want to block it, I got to match those two dice, but maybe that only gives me now one dice to attack back in turns. So do I want to do that? Or do I want to take a hit? And so that I can have my max dice to come in and, and counter hit you. Like those things sound really, really good, but probably also from what I'm doing a boss fight. If I'm doing that with some minions it, it, that are not really a challenge, it might feel like it's more work than what I'm getting out of it, where I'm just kind of like mucking around dice, but it doesn't really matter too much because I can't really lose or it's going to have to be like really like kind of like what you do in your combat. Right? At a certain point, you're like, well, these guys can't really kill you. Right. So like at that right. point, it's like, do we need to go through the whole dice wagering thing? Or can we just say like, I killed them or whatever, or they run away or whatever kind of thing it is. But I, I really like it. I feel like just at least conceptually in terms of for something like really fraught and uh, exciting, tense. Yeah, because I think you really don't, you know, again, you shouldn't, my general feeling in life and is my, with the advice I would give in my game is that you shouldn't be rolling the dice all the time, right? The dice are really for that situation. And I, I just to, to confirm my understanding of it from reading it a long time ago and playing once in Dogs in the Vineyard, it was the way they did it anyways when I played and it was they did kind of almost like very story game cutscene like you were like at a scene, you were in a scene. So it was you weren't, we weren't ever just hanging out doing nothing, right? It was like you went to go to this place to do this thing and now this is happening and then you're dealing with it, right? That's kind of how the 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 game works. So yeah, you're not like, like you say, you're not just like wandering around aimlessly. I mean, that makes it sound like we're boring when we're doing the, but you know, it's sometimes, <laughs> sometimes when you're doing sandboxing, like, right. You know, like you don't want to deal with, you're doing, you know, I mean, I hand wave a lot of the stuff anyways, especially at higher levels, because you know, it's like, are you really negotiating? It's like you, you, you have money, but um, you know, at, uh, at low levels, it can be fun. Right. You, and you wouldn't want to be doing that every time you walk in, like how much is a room in the tavern? Roll your dice, you know. Right, that would be a little much. Yeah, yeah. It it, it could it could be overdone, but I I think yeah. I think I think it could be really a really kind of cool, cool system. So I would yeah. I would definitely agree. Of the ones, I mean, they're all intriguing, and I think they all have mm -hmm. pluses, minuses. The one I think gets my imagination fired the most is that wagering and like different ways you could leverage that. I'm I'm already thinking with my thing. It's like, oh, is there anything that I could do that wagering that might be interesting? Um, yeah. So yeah, I, 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 lo I love that. I love mini games. I love the back and forth. And actually, as you're saying that, I'm thinking to myself, you know, you could combine that one and the one I said, but the more tunnels and trolls style, right? So when you want a quick resolution, you just sum all your dice and the one with the highest score wins, right? And you just do it that way. So that way you're not changing the mechanic. It's just how you resolve the mechanic you're changing. So if you don't want to narrate it out, you just want a simple result. Whoever has the highest dice win, right? Or you can, you know, knock dice out without narrating. You just be like, all right, well, you have a six, I take my six out. You have a five, you take that. You know, yeah, it's almost wins. like you have a simple versus a compound action, yeah. right? If you're just doing something simple, then you don't need to do it because there's only one stage, which is unlocking right. the lock or doing whatever. Exactly. But you can have these situations almost like the kind of skill challenging type thing where it's they're more segments. Mm -hmm. I'm doing this, these, but the, the the end result of doing the thing is multiple steps, and so you can really have right. that thing of like I'm climbing, the orcs are chasing me, I need to get to the top. Okay, if I push my dice out to climb, they're matching me. That means they're kind of keeping on my trail. If they push more dice than I can match, then they're gaining on me. If they're, they might now be on me, or maybe they're now one segment closer. Can I do something else to try to do that? You know, is there a way I can try to get myself some more dice? Right. Like there, it's really kind of interesting, uh, and it's a way of of really bringing a nice tense thing. And and I think as a player, you're going to feel like you're kind of you're pretty much in control of what's happening. 
you know your resources and it's kind of how do I want to spend them, but it's not just I'm just rolling a bunch of dice. It's okay, I'm going to figure out like how I can spend it. And I think for those kind of moments, it could work really well, you know, right? I think, yeah. again, having not played it, but it sounds really good. And people always had high things, high, you know, really good things to say about Dogs in the Vineyard. So I feel like it's not something that's, uh, I think it's a system that people really enjoyed. I'm, I'm, I am, I'm kind of surprised that it didn't, that, that other folks haven't kind of jumped and maybe people have yeah. taken that mechanic and used it elsewhere. Because I, I can't say I've seen it pop up in other places. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I don't know. That's the only place where I first uh, saw it. I, I don't know if it originated there, but I kind of assume it did because I know that that. Creator... I wonder if there's a drawback. I wonder if it's like a, something where it, it might take up a lot of time. It definitely maybe... is time consuming. Yeah, I mean, especially in that game because, like I say, you're rolling a lot of dice, and then again, you can escalate and people can join. I mean, it, it can get complicated. I think the way I would do it, since it's for still mechanics and not for combat, right? Because again, I wouldn't use a skill. I, I mean, I personally probably wouldn't use a skill to negotiate. With I mean, maybe I would probably just be like, what's your charisma? If we're playing D&D, &D, right? I wouldn't like use a skill check to negotiate a, for a, in a room at the inn, right? I would use a skill check for something complex, you know, which I don't know what that would be. But, you know, I'm just, well, in my example, I think lift, well, I see, I would, I, the example in the game, I wouldn't do in D&D. &D. I would just use your strength because he's trying to tip over a wagon. So I'd be like, well, it's a strength check, right? You either roll under your strength or you, you know, uh, you know, do an open doors check, like all that stuff exists. But in this game, it doesn't exist. So none, none of those uh, mechanics are in this game. So I need a mechanic to handle like a generic skill mechanic. A mechanic. And I could just do, again, the X and six chance. But I like the idea of this being more narrative. So, uh, yeah, I don't know the downside. Like I said, we played. It, it was There was a lot of dice on the table. So I could say that maybe that's <laughs> maybe that's maybe it does become unwieldy with a lot of people. But uh, I don't know. Or maybe it just didn't. I don't I think it was like a, one of those games that wasn't around very long. And then again, because the creator completely mm. pulled it, they didn't just abandon it; they pulled it. So it's right. not like you could really get it. And, you know, yeah, I don't. But I think it was more because of the theme and everything, right? Because it is. I could see it being kind of controversial as opposed to a kind of a mechanical thing. Um, I'm yeah, That's like I said, I'm just surprised yeah. that they didn't rework it and maybe switch up the theme a bit and then put mm -hmm. it out there again. But I guess they. I mean, was this Vincent Baker? I mean, they've done tons of stuff, so it's yeah. not like he doesn't have. <laughs> he doesn't have other. It's not like he doesn't have other games and things going on. So right. Yeah, and, and to me, I actually think this it's just a very interesting, again, it, it, it creates a different feeling. And, and like you say, maybe not everybody loves that. And, you know, not everybody loves little mini games whenever you do something, because it really is a thing, right? It's like you are, some people just want to roll, swing their sword, right? It's like, I, I yeah. rolled each one, I, mean, I want and, to add and, my and bonus. It, I think one of the things that happens when you have those kinds of, right, because I usually come to the point, and I think, well, I think I mentioned this yesterday, like you go in and negotiate. I generally want someone, not to say to role played out, like I don't need a big speech, whatever, but I want you to have a plan, right? I have to have you asking the king for something. How, what are you, what is your approach? You don't, you don't have to give me your first person speech, but you should be able to tell me I want to approach the king. I know that he's very vain. So I'm going to compliment their, their good looks. They are going to, I'm going to appeal to their vanity and then ask them after I've done all that, I want to just slide in something small about giving us some horses kind of thing. Right. And, and, and then also I'm going to throw in the fact that, Oh, by the way, we're doing this to save your kingdom. So, you know, also a good thing like that's the kind of thing that i that i want and i think you have some people who are probably like me and like that there's some people who want the performative aspect they want mm -hmm. that kind of like no i want you to come in and say oh great lord and give me your whole spiel and then there are other folks that want to just be like i use diplomacy to get some horses right right and probably depending on where you fall on that is something for me if i have what i think is i'm taking the right tack i'm doing what i'm supposed to do but i have bad luck and i roll crappy dice so now my argument even though it was great fails 
And then the right. next player shows up and just decides to put on a clown show and but rolls all sixes and their thing succeeds. It's just kind of a right. downer. And I'm like, well, right. Like, you know, that doesn't make, you know, that's it, it's almost pulled me out of the fiction because here I am mm-hmm. trying to play into it. And I failed. Some other guy comes up and just says, I don't know. Just give me some horses. Yo, King. Oh, right. I rolled 22. So I'm sliding all my dice over and oh, I got horses. And it's like, right. You know, but then there are well, other folks that really like, like that part of it. So, yeah. And I, I think that's right. I think because, well, in this particular situation, this game, uh, which is not necessarily true of Dogs and Dominion, you wouldn't, like, you wouldn't be able to just do that, right? You, you wouldn't get more dice by being, like, dumb, right? Or, you know, acting silly or whatever. Basically, that's how, as you were saying that, I was like, okay, well, right. You start with your two dice, and then you're saying, well, I found an information about the king, so I know he's vain. I'm going to compliment him. You get another die for that. Okay, we know okay. that they have a bunch of horses that that they that they're getting rid of, or that they have uh, excess of horses. They're not in short demand, so maybe I get a bonus for that because I know that the horses what they have, they don't have camels. You know, maybe I ask for specific kind of horses. Maybe I ask for ponies because I know that ponies aren't being used. You know, whatever, right? And you get this information, right? This is all your pre work. Then when you sit down to negotiate, that's when you roll the dice, right? You don't, you don't. Uh... And again, that, yeah. That's, though, though again, you're still kind of, right? you still have that part where the someone with fewer dice than you, but they roll a bunch of, you know, is going to be kind of advantaged right. if I have five dice, but I've rolled ones two and ones and twos. So, yeah. you well, know, it's just well, a style thing, but people like it both ways, obviously. And look, and with, with fifth edition people, you know, it's not like people don't in, uh, enjoy and appreciate having social skills. Things like that. It's just comes oh, yeah. down to a style. Well, right. I think the thing is, is that you, um, the way I always look at that stuff, this is a total different conversation is that it's not so much that you failed, right? It's that maybe the King was pissed off. For something else, the guy before you pissed him off, you know, and be, or you look like his cousin who he hates, right? So you come in and have the best <laughs> thing ever, and you roll terrible. It's not that you did badly. Like I never loved that when people would fail stuff in when I was running fifth edition. Like they, the most common was a stealth check, right? Like I'd be like, all right, DC fifteen stealth or whatever, you know. Although you wouldn't actually do that because you do it, well, uh, post check. But anyways, you'd be like roll stealth, and they'd roll terrible. They'd roll like an eight. They'd be like, I trip and burp and you know. Start banging. It's like you do. Like, what if the guy rolled terribly? Like, you, you don't know that you did. Like, doesn't mean you're making the an ass of yourself. Same thing with move silent, right? It's like a thief failed. Going back to the thief, if somebody played a thief. They they failed to move silently, and all of a sudden they're like, "Yes, I started screaming." It's like, well, no, you're just not moving silently. That doesn't mean that you're like. That means they can hear you if they roll a hear check or they're listening or whatever. It's like it's not like you necessarily made noise. You're just not silent. I guess if that true. makes sense. True. I mean, yeah, there, there's nothing in many ways. And then, yeah, it is a whole other conversation about how as a GM, you want to play with what success means, what failure means. Right. You know, all, all this, all this fun stuff. So yeah, I, I think it just takes a little bit of work on the GM's time for to think about, well, what did, what did failing in that essence mean to the King? Maybe the King doesn't like you. Right. Maybe the, yeah, maybe you do look like the King's cousin that they hate. That's why I kind of like having the reaction stuff. Cause mm-hmm. then you could kind of have that in advance. Like you come into the King and he's pissed off. You're like, Oh boy, at least you kind of know a little bit. Right. Whereas, just judging it on the end result, like, you know, the king was jolly five minutes ago. <laughs> why, does he, why does he suddenly hate me now? You know, it's like, uh, you know, I'm right. not sure, but he does. He hates you now. It's like, okay. Well, and um, it's funny. It's funny because uh, that's one of the issues that uh, we sometimes run into playing Call of Cthulhu because you have these social skills, right? And then you're so into role playing that you just start role playing the scene. And then the keeper will be like, oh, you should probably roll fast talk or whatever. And then you fail. And it's like, well, you were literally just role playing the guy going with it because you liked what I was doing. <laughs> and now I failed terribly in my fast talk. So he, he turns around and goes, no, screw off. And it's like, so I, I think like in those games, the ideal way to do it really, if you want to use the mechanics, would be to roll first. Like, I'm going to go fast talk this guy. I roll my dice. 
And then if you fail, then that you can play that in the role play if you want to role play it out, if you will. It's a, it feels a yeah. little weird because oh. you're role playing what you already know is going to happen. But at the same time, if you love to role play and you know you're going to fail, then why would the GM or or, or you? Well, it's the you? same thing in combat, right? Where you don't yeah. narrate your hit before you roll the dice. You roll the dice right. and then you narrate narrate the hit exactly. Well, narrate the hit, so it's kind of yeah, it's kind of it, similar. I mean, that's sometimes what I like a little bit. Some of that stuff I feel like works best when they're actually behind the screen, right? Mm-hmm. So the GM rolls your fast talk for you. Right. And that way you get to kind of be in the moment and then the GM will roll real quick. And then when you're talking and that, then that NPC responds, then they respond kind of with what the role is. Cause you right. like the thief, you think you're being stealthy as all get out. And unfortunately someone heard you, or you think you're fast talking up a storm. And the reality is that the person's not buying it, you know, at right. all. Um, no, I agree. But with that. you know, I, but you I know, think- I, I, like I said, the wagering thing, it's very player facing, which I think is, is great. Cause it's that whole, you know, wagering piece. But I also like that as a player, you're rolling the dice, you get to see all the dice that are in front of you. So yeah. in that negotiation, if you roll low, you still have, you can put out dice, but you know that if you're going to get anything out of it at all, it's going to be really minor. It's like, geez, I got, right. I don't have a lot. So I'm going to put all my dice in and ask for something maybe minor in the hopes that I can get it. Cause I know that, you know, I'm not going to get something huge. And then if there's a round two, I'm going to get, the floor wiped out with me, right? When he when he says right. that, yes, I will give you those horses, and he's got four more dice behind it saying, but this right. first, I'm 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 stuck, right? So I want to make sure that I'm not asking for a lot because I know that the butt's gonna come and I want it to be commensurate with what I'm asking for. So you kind of have control over that, right? And, and so it's like a nice combination of like you know, kind of upfront sort of what to expect. There's still some chance because you might not know what the GM rolled and how much dice they're gonna have to spend. But you're kind of, I think if I'm playing it well, I feel like I'm going to be taking into account what I've rolled and determining how I'm going to, what I'm going to ask for, what I'm going to negotiate mm-hmm. with. So it, it kind of, it kind of does some nice, interesting things there with that interplay between the sort of role playing part and the the dice part. Yeah, I think so too. Well, excellent. Good. Thank you for uh, helping me confirm what I was already thinking. <laughs> but I was actually saying, it was fun to say it out loud. No, well, I have done no. nothing. Well, no, no, you've done a lot actually. Because what's funny is now I think in my mind that the two ideas, the, uh, the simpler tunnels and trolls version combined with the more complex. I'm, I know and when I say tunnels and trolls, I mean based on ton, what you would see in tunnels and trolls, right. uh, and Doug's Divinity based on kind of what my understanding of that system is. That having both of those and being like simple tasks, and in all cases you do it the same, right? So the mechanic doesn't change. You add up the dice on both sides, and then you roll. And in the simple task, you just compare who won, and that's it. If you if you've got a high enough number, you win. You know, you could also put a little line in there that says something like, if it's by a large margin, you may want to add a benefit or a penalty or whatever, right? Then the second version is for important tasks, so ones that you want to play out for narrative placing, uh, you know, you can uh, you can roll it and then do the dice thing where you, where you bid against each other. So I think yeah. both and, and work. And it's pretty interesting. How does, um, the, and maybe you know, maybe you don't know, but how does initiative work? Because I feel like initiative is really important too. Who makes that first move? Who gets to oh, put out their a, dice first? Good question. I think, um, and I don't, I'm just going out again. I, I, I think, no, no, I think it actually do, has to do again. Cause it's what, just like powered by the apocalypse games, like by the dungeon world. Right. Um, it's, it's, it's narrative. Right. So like, for instance, if, if I see my, you know, I'm going to my cousin's house and I open the door and they immediately start shouting at me, then they go first. Right. Because I wasn't ready for that. But if I then pull my gun, I might switch sides and go first because now I started it, right? So I think you kind of, you do it based on, but it's always back and forth no matter what. 
So you'd have to escalate. Well, it's just interesting because who's making that first move, right? And that first kind of uh, wager can kind right. of set the tone for things in a certain 100%. way. 100%. Right? Am I going strong first? Am I, you know, not? Am I holding back? Like, I mean, it just adds to more interesting decisions. Yeah. Well, I think it's narrative. I think I I, I could be 100% wrong with about that, but I believe that no, it's cool. narrative. Either narrative so, or if it's an, an issue. And I think that's how I would do it way, because, because basically if you think about your situation with the king, right, you would go first because the king's not going to tell you, you know, he doesn't know what you want, right? <laughs> right. So it's just going to be five dice. Get out. Right. Well, there I was saying, like, you would go up there and the king would say, what is it that you want? And then you would make your bid, yeah. right? In the case of uh, the the barkeep, right? Same thing. You would you would say, give me a beer or whatever, and then they, they, you're going first, right? If if it's the other way around, uh, uh, a quest giver goes to the party. Although, I don't know how that would work. Because, again, I think in those kind of games, you can kind of force somebody's hand. Like, you, I wouldn't do that, right? I wouldn't use it for that. But, like, if you said somebody was trying to convince the player characters of something... You know, again, I wouldn't do that, but in my game, but I could see that being a way to play the game, right? Like uh, an NPC is going to try to convince you to do something, so we're going to roll off, and they roll their dice, and you roll yours. Again, I wouldn't do that, but for all the people that are going to call in, but I'm not saying that. <laughs> but I'm, I'm just saying that that like that would. So I think actually, as I'm describing it, I would say almost always, at least in my situation in my game, the players would go first because they're trying to do something, right? The other case can happen. Yeah, like for instance, if somebody like, be. well, like I said, I think like if somebody attacks you, uh, yeah, because kind of situation, because or... it's not like as soon as you walk up to somebody, you roll dice, right? So like I in the in the one that uh, in one of the scenes that we did when I was playing, for instance, we were going to this town, and I was going, to, I had a cousin there, so I went to see my cousin, and they were by this like thing like watering the pigs or whatever, and I went over and I was like, oh, cousin, you know, we came to investigate because we heard those problems, and he like picked up a bucket of water and like threw it on me because he was like possessed or whatever, so like he went first. Because he was like, he's gonna he's scoops he's gonna scoop up this bucket of water and throw it at you. So let's lay out our dice. And that was like, okay, you know, whatever. Then he went to throw it at me, and then I if I I avoided it, right? And then I then I tripped him and knocked him into the bottle of water. And then you know then we started wrestling, you know. And then he actually drew his gun and and uh, and then 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 he once again started it starts kind of starts over, right? It goes back to his turn that he pulls the gun and then. So it's it's interesting. It kind of just it's narrative. It's the best way to describe. So who who got shot? You were the cousin. Nobody, because oh. because uh, I ended up, um, uh, what do you call it? I ended up winning. So, like, basically, nobody actually, so this is the way the game works. This is the other important thing that's important is that, so let's say in your climbing the rope uh, example, you can't, on your first move, go, I cut the rope. Because then you would just win. So you can't win unless the dice tell you you win. Everything you do has to be a step up to it, right? So basically, in that situation, I did win. And what I did was I knocked him out unconscious with the butt of my gun. You know, hmm. he pulled his gun, then I pulled mine. And then he's like, I'm going to shoot you. And I'm like, I'm a faster draw than, you know, whatever. You know, it's like, you, we'll both be dead. You know, then you went back and forth. And then he didn't actually fire his gun because, uh, I don't know why he didn't. Maybe because the GM didn't want to kill me. I, I can't remember exactly <laughs> why. And then, then I ended up hitting him with the with the butt of the gun. So, again, you can you can play it. I, again, I wish that the game existed because I would totally play it. It was, it's, uh, it's, it was very cool and very fun. It was one of... Well, it was, I had just got back into playing again, too. It was just such a very different experience. Yeah, I'm going to read it again. All right. Anyways, What other mechanical so stuff have you got? Are we done? No, I think that's probably good, unless uh, we were over an hour now, which is long for my podcast. So uh, I know that's nothing for you. That's, I just keep going. I could talk yeah. all day. Yeah, I've been talking all day. That's why I'm losing my voice now. So, but let's, uh, let's do the old uh, pitch. 
What do you got to pitch for us, Todd? Where can we find Mr. Todd and all that? Oh, uh, I, well, jeez, I guess, well, YouTube, but now they got the fancy, you can just do at Hexed Press, and you will find nice. me. Uh, variations on Hexed Press or Hexed Press Man will generally locate me anywhere on the interwebs. Uh, I'm doing Lore 24. We're uh, in the middle of, what are we, week three now? Still still going fairly strong. I have a forums at forums.hexed.press, where you can also find all kinds of fun stuff. And uh, that's about it for right now. And yeah, look out for sometime, hopefully pretty soon. I think I just put it out to Patreon folks earlier, but I think I'm going to be ready for a version two of the Do Anything D6 to kind of throw it out there. Probably an itch. I'm also an itch under Hex Pressman. I also have some uh, a Lore 24, uh, what, are, what do they call it? Uh, not a sprint, but the uh, Game Jam on itch. It's running all year. It's just basically if you want to throw something that if you're working on Lord 24, really any of the whatever 24s and Daniel did Dungeon 23, and you're, you feel like you're going to put on itch, you know, come ahead and, and join the, the jam. It's only running until January of next year. So time is short. It's funny because you say that, but I, like I remember last year uh, in late March, maybe early April, I, I came home from GaryCon and I said, I already know what I'm going to run next year and I'm going to start prepping now so that I won't be in a rush at the end. Well, it is almost end of January. I am not ready for my game yet. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Right. Time, time flies. Yes, it does. All right. Anyways, uh, thanks so much, Todd. I will put those links in the show notes uh, below, so you'll have to send them to me. I all will. Right. You can find me also down there. You're going to find uh, links to my Discord and so on, all that goodness. And I will talk to you soon. All right. Later, skaters.